Hey Church, welcome to another week. We're working on our Hope and Faith series on Hebrews, and let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you that we can gather together electronically. We pray, Lord, that we would be able to get together again soon. At the time of this recording, God, I'm still waiting to hear on whether restrictions are being eased or extended, Lord, and I pray that our time together would be sooner than we think, God. We miss each other, but we're glad to have your spirit to keep us company, Lord. Open your word to us today. Amen. So as I mentioned last week, we started a series on working through the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is a really unique book in the Bible. It's not a gospel. It's not a history. It's not a prophecy. It's not a letter. It's really not like any other book in the Bible. In fact, it's a sermon. We could pretty reasonably sit down, open our Bibles, read Hebrews out loud, and go home. And that would that would be it, because Hebrews is a sermon. In fact, it would take about 45 minutes for us to read the whole thing. So it would be a little long for how long we usually like to do sermons, and especially when we're doing them electronic, but, but we could do it, right? Like, that's a, that's a conceivable amount of time to just read something in church. As far as some of the academic questions around it, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. And we don't actually know who it was written to. The book doesn't tell us. There's a very strong tradition that it was written to Hebrew Christians, and so the name. And the book is clearly written to people who were considering going back to Judaism in order to escape the persecution that Christians were experiencing at the hand of the Romans. But as far as the writer... The strongest tradition that I've been able to find is that this was a sermon of Paul's and that it was written down by Luke later. So even that leaves a bit of a question mark as to who the writer is. Other ancient fathers of the church have suggested that Luke himself was the author or, or even Barnabas or Apollos, Clement of Rome or one of Paul's other companions, Priscilla. But as the church father Origen said, as to who wrote the epistle to the Hebrews, only God knows the truth. We don't know, but we do know that it's here in our Bible. And Hebrews is a book that is deeply couched in the culture and the story of the Bible. If this was a TV series, Hebrews would be an episode in season five that references stuff that happened all the way back in season one. You have to be on your toes when you're reading Hebrews. You have to be paying attention and thinking about the whole story of the Bible as you read it. I mean, the first page of Hebrews has seven references to other Bible passages from four different books. This is a book that is deeply entrenched in the story and the culture of the Bible. Last week, Donna shared with us from the first two chapters of Hebrews, talking about the supremacy of Christ and the importance. And today we're focusing on chapters 3 and 4. So let's read a bit. Let's start in Hebrews chapter 3, verses, verse 12, and we'll read up to chapter 4, verse 1. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. 
Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. The word of the Lord. Rest is a main concept in these chapters. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but to rest requires faith. When, when you go to rest, you, not really, not really consciously, but you're asking yourself things like, are you safe? Right? Like, have you ever tried going to sleep wondering if someone's about to come into your house? Are you supported? Have you ever sat down on a chair or a couch or a bed and wondered, is this thing going to hold me up? Are you undisturbed, you know, trying to trying to have a sleep and wondering if a, a child or a pet or a, a siren in the street is about to wake you up at any moment? You, you can't rest if you're alert or scared or in danger. If when we want to rest physically, we exercise our faith. Faith that the door is locked. Faith that the smoke alarm works. Faith that our alarm will rouse us at the right time. If we want to rest, we need faith. And the Bible is reminding us of that in the most important context, eternity. It's the beginning of January, and this is the season of resolutions. I'll do better. I'll be better. I'll work harder. I'll fill in the blank. A message of rest is the exact opposite of how our culture tells us to think during this season. Chapter 4, verse 4 of Hebrews brings up the Sabbath rest of God after creation. And I think it's important to point out that God rested on the seventh day, but God created Adam, the first man, on the sixth day. Which means that man's first day was God's seventh day. God's man's first day was a day of rest. We weren't created into the turmoil and labor, but into the rest. So what does it mean to rest in this context? I don't think the writer of Hebrews is talking about taking a day off from work each week, though that's good. Rather, we're talking about resting in the salvation offered and paid for by God. A salvation that we don't earn, that we don't work to take hold of. A salvation that calls us, in the words of the banquet invitation in Luke chapter 14, verse 17, to come, for all things are now ready. Hebrews uses the imagery of the Exodus to describe this salvation, where the people of Israel came out of slavery in Egypt and were brought to a land where they could be free, where they could grow and enjoy and prosper living in the dominion of God. But Hebrews also makes it clear in chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, that the entrance to the promised land was not the final rest provided by God. Instead, that final rest is provided by Jesus, and we must enter it not through labor, but by faith, by belief. And this is a message that we are so familiar with from so much of the New Testament. 
It is by grace you have been saved through faith, as Ephesians says. The letter to the Romans tells us that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And Jesus' final breath on the cross, he doesn't call for action on our part. He declares, it is finished. This is the message that we're highlighting today from Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, that the call on us is not to action, but to rest in Christ and his finished work in the fulfillment that God promises and not on our own efforts. I'll leave you with this one last section from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the message of rest. We pray, God, that you would be at work in our hearts, that you would be at work in the hearts of those around us, God, calling all the people into your rest, Father. We pray that we would be examples of that, Lord, and that we would rest in you, that we would see ourselves seated with Christ in the heavenly realms as you have promised. That, Lord, we would be your people, not only on Sunday morning or whenever we're listening to this, God, but as we go into the world, among our co-workers, among our family members, among our friends. Pray all this in your name. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Have a great week.